Basically, all problems and all suffering in the world are the result of separation. And that ultimately, when you are one with the truth, uh, one with your higher self, one with all that is, then you're really living true reality. You've now freed yourself up and uh, life becomes actually bliss. The truth is we can get to a place where what is natural is causeless love and causeless joy. You're listening to the One Power Podcast. I'm Rick Busby. And I'm Tammy Lorraine. And together we are transforming lives, one conversation, one episode at a time. Welcome to the One Power Podcast. I'm Rick Busby, and I'm here with my co-host, Tammy Lorraine. And this is the inaugural episode of our Going Deeper segments here on One Power. In this episode, we're going to be sharing our reflections on a recent interview we conducted with Howard Caesar, author of the book One Plus One is One, and the long-tenured, now-retired senior minister at Unity of Houston. This episode will feature not only key segments from that interview, but will also feature a couple of clips from a talk that Reverend Caesar delivered at Unity Church of the Hills in late September titled, the most important teaching, which, according to Reverend Caesar, centers on the spiritual principle of oneness. And that talk was the basis of our interview with Reverend Caesar and is also the foundation of this particular Going Deeper episode here on One Power. If you're interested in hearing that talk in its entirety, we will include a YouTube link to it in the show notes to this episode, as well as an Amazon link to his book, One Plus One is One. But before we get to all that, I want to bring in my co-host, Tammy Lorraine. Tammy, so good to see you. Welcome to this episode of One Power. It's good to see you too, Rick. So I know you were in particular very excited to talk to Howard Caesar from many stories that you've told over the years that I've known you. Howard and Unity of Houston play a pivotal role, I think, in your transformation. And uh, I think before we dive into Howard and what he has to share, our audience might really enjoy hearing uh, sort of what that special connection was for you. Well, interestingly, Tammy, uh, if I look back at the whole story over the course of 25 years, it's a story of divine design. It was about 25 years ago, November 1996, as I recall, when I attended a service at Unity of Houston for the first time. My mother, who lived in Houston at the time, she was attending church there, and uh, she was the one that introduced me to Unity. I was in my late 30s and going through a sort of midlife crisis, dark night of the soul kind of experience. And uh, as I said, looking back at it now, I can see how it was the beginning of a new path in my life. In 1995, I had left an executive position with an entertainment company that I'd helped found way back in 1987. And I was employing myself as a creative freelance after I had left the company. And during that period, I had a client in Beaumont and was traveling back and forth between Austin and Beaumont a few times a month. And sometimes on the way back to Austin, I would stop at my mother's place for a visit. Now, sometimes we'd spend the night there before going on back to Austin. And on one of those occasions, I stayed over on a Saturday night, and I did so specifically to attend church with her on that next Sunday morning before making my way on back to Austin. And as I mentioned, she was attending Unity of Houston at the time, and Reverend Caesar was the senior minister there. And some of our listeners may recall that at the time, Unity of Houston's sanctuary was a pyramid. And I'd previously been familiar with the pyramid church when I lived in West Houston, but I had never attended a service there. But on that particular Sunday, I did attend a service there for the very first time. And so Howard Caesar was the first unity minister I ever heard speak. And Unity of Houston was the first unity church I ever attended. I don't recall what he spoke about on that day, but I do remember being very impressed with him and his presentation and the energy of the community there at Unity of Houston. I also remember being very impressed with their bookstore, which really fired my imagination and sort of sparked my natural, curious student nature. 
And um, my mother bought me a couple of books uh, there while we were there that day. And she also gave me her cassette tape series of Catherine Ponder's Dynamic Laws of Prosperity. And those were the beginning of my path into the Unity teachings. I would listen to uh, Catherine Ponder's tape series as I was driving back and forth to Austin and Beaumont on those round trips during that period. And that was the beginning of kind of getting this sort of new thought thinking into my consciousness. Fast forward 25 years, and as divine order would have it, when Howard spoke here at Unity Church of the Hills in late September, I was scheduled as the guest speaker the very following week, which proved to be a particularly poignant and synchronistic moment for me. Shortly thereafter, as we began planning the launching of the One Power podcast, unbeknownst to me, you scheduled Howard Caesar as our very first official interview. And even though this is our fourth overall episode, he was the first interview we conducted. So once again, there's another example of divine order in play. And even more interesting to me is that at the same time that I attended Unity of Houston that first time way back then, Unity Church of the Hills held its very first service in a middle school cafeteria in North Austin, very close to where I lived at, at about that same time, and also very close to where we are right now at the Unity Church of the Hills campus in Northwest Austin. And so five years after that first encounter, in October 2001 to be specific, I attended my first service at Unity Church of the Hills right after they moved into the brand, what was then the brand new permanent spiritual home on a gorgeous nine-acre campus in Northwest Austin. I'm now in my 20th year here as a member, and I became a licensed Unity teacher in 2014. And also, I'm a regular guest speaker musician at Unity Churches throughout Texas. And that journey, which obviously continues to this day, began at that very first service at Unity of Houston, hearing Howard Caesar speak for the first time. So yeah, having him as a guest on One Power is like coming full circle and is another in a long list of divine synchronicities that I personally have experienced since first being introduced to Unity Teachings over 25 years ago now. Yeah, and we don't always get an opportunity to let the people who've played those roles um, that we don't have a relationship with but that are so pivotal, we don't always get a chance to tell them what a difference they made. And so I can only imagine how beautiful that that was for you. Well, it certainly was a sweet opportunity and, and more evidence of God's design, a divine design outworking in our lives. And I think that resonates with Howard's message of, you know, the oneness curriculum, that if we are living in a oneness universe, a, a reality of oneness, then everything in the universe is conspiring towards our good, so to speak, and all the details of our life, everything that works out in our lives, if we can get a large enough viewpoint from it, a macro view of it, we can actually see that divine design working out in our life. Uh, perhaps in a future episode of One Power, we can dive into Julia Cameron's work with The Artist's Way and The Vein of Gold in particular. And she points out in there that if we can lean into the details of the story of our own life, that that's how we tap into that rich vein of gold that becomes our authentic story. And if we can find ways to express that story, then that's that's sort of the, one of the ways that we can live a life of authenticity, a life of power, and a life of being empowered as well. And so uh, there's all kinds of you know paths to take, you know, to, to get to this place of oneness and so forth. But at the end of the day, we just have to stand still and realize that we are already in the midst of that oneness and that we've always been in the midst of that oneness and that everything is working out towards our good. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, for our listeners, they may be like, okay, what does all of this have to do with Howard's talk about oneness? But I think it is those little stories about how connected that divine order and, you know, our oneness isn't about just this big, heady, um, esoteric kind of thing. It's, it's about 
God, my personal relationship with you, your relationship with your mom, our strange, interesting, synchronistic relationship with Howard and how he's like come into the space of Unity Church of the Hills and 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 brought this beautiful exploration of your own journey to a new chapter almost. So anyways, just wanted to point that out because there we are on track. As much as y'all might not think that we are, we are so on track with what Howard's message is about. Well, you know, one of the things that resonates with me, Tammy, as, as you're saying that, as, as we're sharing this conversation, I remember when I began my, my work with A Course in Miracles, and Howard talks a bit about A Course in Miracles in the interview, one of the pieces that I got in the very beginning when I was going over the principles of miracles, uh, A Course in Miracles says that miracles are naturally occurring, that if you are not seeing miracles, that's not evidence that miracles don't exist. It's evidence that you're not seeing correctly. And that once we can change our mind about that and begin to have a miracle consciousness, that we see miracles everywhere. Once again, that just shows the richness of God's design. It shows the richness of that tapestry of divine order, that everything really is working towards our good, if we open our hearts and become one with that, we already are one with that. Our work is to cultivate that awareness of the oneness that already exists, and that once we move into that space and we attune our own consciousness towards that, then we see the synchronicities, we see the miracles, we see the design and that there really is nothing but oneness going on here, as our good friend Lance used to say, nothing but God here. And I think Howard would resonate with that uh, as well. Absolutely. Well, how about this? Why don't we uh, listen to um, the opening clip from Howard's message that he delivered back in September? Because I think it does set the stage for the conversation that we end up having with Howard later on. So let's listen to what Howard had to say. And I want to begin with a question. What would you consider to be the most important spiritual principle or state of consciousness that you or anyone is to learn to live from in this life? Now, I can't hear your answers, but I assume that many of the answers are probably the word love. And I would agree. But for today, you're very close, but it's not really the answer I'm looking for. Um, in the book of 1 John, chapter 4, actually, the scripture states this, God is love, so you're right. And those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Now, that's what I'm looking for. I want to abide in God and have God abide in me. And that's where we come to the most important spiritual universal principle there is, and that is oneness, oneness. It is our main purpose. It is our main curriculum in this life. It, everything else takes a back seat to it, really. Cultivating a oneness consciousness is the most important spiritual work that you will ever do in this life. What you just heard there was Howard Caesar from a talk he gave here at our church, Unity Church of the Hills, in late September talking about the most important teaching and underscoring in that God is love. And for those that love God, God abides in them and they abide in God and that we're one with that, that the essential fundamental reality that we are all living in is that oneness with God. And that's the most important teaching because that really is our work to, to cultivate that awareness in our consciousness that we are not only one with God, but one with everything and one with one another. And that if we cultivate that awareness, we cultivate that actively in our consciousness and we practice that, then we start doing away with the ideas of separation and the judgment and the duality and, and us versus them, that it's only us. It's only us here. And, and once again, as our friend Lance would say, nothing but God here and that we are all 
living in that state of awareness of oneness with God, with one another. Absolutely. It makes me think of the golden key from Emmett Fox, um, where he says, you know, basically just instead of focusing on your problems, you focus on God. Well, I think that's kind of what Howard is saying is, you know, all the rest is given once you focus on oneness. I think that's why, like prior to the message, I would have said love. That would have been my answer. But now having heard Howard, it's like, yeah, the most important teaching is oneness. Because if I get that, all the rest of it is like a done deal. Howard makes this amazing distinction, both in his talk that he gives back in September and then in our interview, of the difference between the who of us and the what of us. And so I'd really like to hear that clip and share it with our listeners. And then maybe you and I can come back and talk about it. I think it's a powerful thing to make a distinction between the, the who and the what. You know, the who is what we have created. It's our personality. It, uh, it varies from moment to moment, from hour to hour, day to day. Our, our moods, our states of mind, who we think we are, you know, and those can be the highs and the lows. Sometimes we think fairly lowly of ourselves and sometimes fairly high and they're getting along okay. And so it, it, it has so much to do with uh, our outer world. You know, like in high school, I thought I was my hair. And so I was really important. I have every piece of hair in place. And uh, I thought I was my car and because I had to have a car. And I thought I was my girlfriend. And, you know, and then from there it goes on. You think you are your job. You think you are your achievements. You think you are all those other things. And really things that are relative to the ego that is about measurement. And the mind always wants to measure and compare. And so underlying who am I, the question of who am I, is am I good enough? Am I measuring up? Because the mind is always measuring and comparing. And so therefore you're always in this kind of conflict space of uh, a commentary going on is, am I good enough? And that uh, that just drains you from energy as opposed to being planted and seated in the place that I am a child of God. Uh, the way that I'm held in the mind of God is the wholeness, the completeness, the fullness. I'm peace, I'm love, I'm joy, my true reality. So there's there's actually two selves. There's the self we create, which is of the ego. And uh, you know that's the, um, the separate self that the who, and then there's the what, and uh, and the what is the part that is is of God. It is parts made in the image and after the likeness of God. In fact, uh, the Course in Miracles I think says here is the answer to the one question the ego raises uh, again and again as to who you are, what you are. You are a child of God, a priceless part of His kingdom. And what you are and where you are is of certainty. There is no doubt. So where you are is always at one with God, whether you know it or not. And what you are is always perfect, whole, and complete because that's how you're known by God. And that's even talked about by Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he talks about looking into a mirror dimly. And then later, when one matures, then you come to see face to face. And when you see face to face, then you are known as you are known to God. It's a very powerful passage. Welcome back to the One Power podcast. We've just been listening to a few of the clips from our interview with Reverend Howard Caesar. And Rick, I think the piece that I loved the most when he was talking about the who versus the what is that underneath every who is the question, am I good enough? That when we're in our who-ness versus our what-ness, we're operating from a place of lack. And I just wondered, what were your thoughts about that? An easy way of setting this up, so to speak, is that if we're coming from our who, then we're coming from our ego. We're coming from our personality. I'm coming from Rick if I'm coming from my who. Versus if I'm coming from my what, then I'm coming from that divine part of my nature. I'm coming from that God part of my nature, the Christ part of my nature. Uh, that is eternal, that part that's eternal and unchanging, that part that was created in the image and the likeness. We really are kind of bouncing back and forth, but the world is always calling and inviting us to buy into our who more than our what. Because in the who part of it, we, we get into that tension, that conflict of am I good enough? Because the who is always measuring against 
other who's. I don't have enough money. I don't have the right degree. I didn't. I wasn't born into the right family. We, you know, all the other kinds of things that we can do this comparison with other people coming from the who. And that's when we're coming from the who, that's really the opening to all of our challenges. All of our problems come from when we're buying into the who part of our nature. That as we cultivate the awareness of our what, when we cultivate the awareness of our divinity, and we come from that place, as you well know in your, in your own experience, and I know from my own experience, when I am coming from that what part of me, that I'm coming from a more empowered place. I'm no longer thinking about, am I good enough? I'm just coming from, wow, I am a powerful co-creator of this experience. Right. Well, and the what of us is the allness of God. And if that's true, then there is nothing lacking. So there can't be a question of enoughness left. Like that question just falls away naturally when we identify with the truth of our being as a child of God. Whereas when we're in our who-ness, even though that who-ness is a unique expression of the allness of God, it it has like boundaries to it in a way that that creates that separation. So there's so much power in just leaning back into the what of me and letting go of all the labels. A who is just a label. It's just a symbol that I give all this meaning to. And, you know, I think Howard talks about how that's all drawn from the past And in the moment, we're just the what, along with all the rest of it. There's just life, and it just is, and we get to be a part of it, and it's so effortless. If you don't remember any one thing from this whole entire episode, just keep that who and the what thing going on. Am I coming from my who, or am I coming from my what? The secret's in the letting go all the things that blind me here but what to release I'm the last one to know and all that it brings to mind is all that I feel all yes well actually all problems and all suffering in the world are the result of separation and that ultimately when you are one with the truth uh, one with your higher self one with all that is uh, that is one with, then you're really living true reality. You've now freed yourself up and uh, life becomes actually bliss. Bliss, uh, you, you know, some of what I, I learned that was very emphasized uh, when I did my studies in, in India was, you know, that the truth is we can get to a place where what is natural is causeless love and causeless joy. The mind is conditioned to think that conditions and circumstances have to meet some criteria in order to be in the state of being love or being and experiencing joy. Uh, But that's not the case in terms of the reality of where we are as spiritual beings or are meant to be. Uh, The reality of God is um, a ways off for us right now, but the reality of God is a a consistent, causeless joy and love. Um, but we've been conditioned and patterned and programmed into thinking that you've got to be nice to me or you've got to do this or you've got to say that or uh, my outer world needs to look this way or that way. And then I'll feel good about myself. Then I may love and then I might have joy. Um, and so that's, again, the ego mind uh, just dividing through comparing and weighing and measuring uh, good versus bad, you know, all of that. Counting down the time I feel so far from my home Seeking the truth in what my eyes can see Even before you get to languaging, it becomes really awareness, awareness, awareness. Uh, It's having a a, a rigorous uh, sense of self-examination and self-awareness of what is being felt in the, in your own body, because really the ideas and the concepts you hold and what you're inclined to say or react with actually is felt. Um, anger is basically something that comes out of emotions relative to stories we told ourselves out of the past. We're not really fully in the moment. Uh, really, we, we can always respond with love. 
but but that comes with um, basically being aware and willing, having willingness to, in a friendly way, examine yourself and examine um, your felt awareness. How am I feeling in this moment? How am I feeling with what just happened? What was just said? You know, am I reacting or am I simply responding? Am I seeing with the single eye that always will come from beholding, even when a person is off? or, um, you know, coming from a lower state of consciousness, it's like, I'm still willing to say, that person is much more than that. Uh, that's unfortunate, but I'm going to behold them as, as how God would know them to be. That's not easy to do, uh, because, uh, you know, we're spiritual beings and having a human experience. And, um, and so we, we fall into the patterning and the programming of the people around us. And energetically, we have to set our energy. And uh, we have to uh, really be in a higher frequency than what the conditions are going on around us. So it really comes back to, um, you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm functioning from and committed to and vigilant of having that self-awareness of, of what I am, not necessarily who, um, and that's not easy, but it's basically starting with the intention, then my languaging is always going to come from kindness, from understanding. It's never going to be attack. Um, it's always going to be believing and knowing that something good is is uh, possible here, uh, that there's a power in me and in that person and in the situation that is greater than the circumstances are revealing. Um, I'll always see uh, with an insight as opposed to an outsight. Um, and so that's a that's a learning dynamic that uh, people have to give themselves to. And uh, it can happen. And uh, one has to be diligent, committed and rigorous, and uh, and it becomes fun, um, and it becomes rewarding, because really the things that really pull energy from us and make us tired is when we have uh, a conflict going on internally in our mind, and the ego keeps talking and telling us stories. Oh, they did this. Remember when they did that to you, and so forth. So when we go into uh, fear or anger or division and separation, it usually is built on stories that are seeping in from a commentary of the past, and the power comes in being in the moment and, and in the moment knowing what you are as opposed to trying to be a who that uh, everyone uh, somehow, you know, thinks is, is wonderful. You need to know you're wonderful and one with God. It starts there. Howard has this great quote from the interview that I just loved. It just resonated with me when he said it. I never really thought about it this way, Tammy. But he says, fear doesn't stop death. It stops life. And that every time I'm coming from my fear, that I am reinforcing the separation. Well, and he talks about that quote that you were talking about, um, the fear um, stops life that once we kind of open up to that life, what we get to is causeless love and causeless joy. Uh, I love that word causeless. Um, you know, I'm used to unconditional. Um, that's more of a, more the word we hear when we think about, um, you know, unconditional love and acceptance, you know, as we talk about here at Unity Church of the Hills. But causeless, I mean, it means the same thing. Somehow, uh, opens up. It feels more expansive to me um, that there's this, oh, you know, this space, this breath uh, for the infinite love of God and the infinite joy of God. God is the principle of love and that we are created in the image and likeness of that principle. Therefore, our foundational nature, our fundamental identity is in the image and likeness of God. If God is love, so am I, so are you. So is everyone we know and everyone we don't know, whether we are aware of it or not. Right, and then oneness is our awareness 
of it. And so by learning how to language our oneness as opposed to, you know, language up till this point has been rooted in duality. It's almost impossible to speak in a way that doesn't have some shade of of dualism, I think, in it. And so what would it look like to have non-dual language, oneness language that we use? And I know Howard talks a bit about that. Yes, he does. And in the next segment, Howard's going to reveal to us the three keys to developing a language of unity. So stick around for those and for more strategies on creating oneness in your life coming up from Howard Caesar right after the musical break. Thank you for tuning in to One Power. I like to say that, you know, a lot of people uh, think this is an experience, what we're in, as life and death. But I think we're an experience of life and depth, that ultimately the life we're living is meant to be taking us into learning to have a depth uh, that goes beyond uh, what those fear mongers and, you know, the different things that want to take us out of what we are um, as a condition of, of being oneness and being a part of oneness with all that is good, all that is life-giving, all that is light-giving. And that's the way we're meant to be in the world. And I really believe that the reason it's number one um, is that all of the different true religions in the world and all the masters and mystics and teachers, uh, and certainly Jesus, that underlying their, their message at the core, at the essence, was always oneness, bringing us back to oneness with source. And if we're one with source, there is really uh, only one mind, there's only one intelligence, there's only one body, and we're a cell in it. So uh, you know, if we can come back to that, that's what has always been taught, and that all suffering in the world, uh, individually, collectively, in nations, has to do with consciousness in separation. The mind wants to take us to there's a right and there's a wrong. So neutrality says, uh, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to paint a right and a wrong. I'm going to choose to be, okay? And so I'm not going to be impacted by either side. Like I'm having to choose sides. Therefore, I make somebody wrong and now there's still separation. Uh, I'm going to be in the place of being a light, and uh, being a being of, um, you know, in the state of being in the moment and being what I know myself to be. That's the most uh, responsible thing we have in this life is to take responsibility for ourself and not try to make somebody happy because they're right or wrong. But I think ultimately in any situation, there's uh, this side and that side, and then there is the upside. A lot is happening politically, and, and politicians always try to paint the picture of uh, uh, of fear around what you'll get if they if you don't get them. And so the commentary is a lot of fear uh, being pushed at you. And uh, so you have to be able to um, stand in the place where you create a shield, and it's a shield of truth and a shield of knowing um, that doesn't fall uh, victim to. Uh, these different ideas and inputs. The, we live in the world and the world is going to have all kinds of thoughts, ideas, beliefs, opinions. And that's why um, we need to be able to really establish um, our own space and consciousness that we take ownership of. And uh, nobody can break through that, that, that shield of light uh, that we seek to be. You know, we're, we're called to be a light in the world and therefore uh, we know that fear is not about light. Uh, fear is about darkness. Uh, fear is the is the most powerful thing that throws one into separation, and um, and so as as soon as I go into fear, I I, I divide out. I, I begin to compare and weigh and measure, uh, because if I get this, um, you know, it's about survival. Until one thing remains. 
sometimes when the world goes into greater chaos, um, as we seem to be uh, at this time, and uh, that that is a reflection of even greater uh, ego and greater separation. And so those things happen to be able to change to change worldview because it becomes so obvious. And everyone talks about how divided uh, you know the world has become, or our country, or our nation, and, and so forth. And and uh, it, it's necessary, I think, at moments when things go into chaos, uh, for awareness to be gained, so that there is this uh, contrast of you know here's how it used to be or should be. And look at how it is, and we this doesn't feel right. It's, it doesn't look right. It's it's not right, and we know that instinctively, as a spiritual being. And then that which is true to our nature wants to see the world, see the relationships going on in the world, taken back into a, a place of oneness and not separation, uh, not dividedness and division. So uh, I think everyone, if they really stop and look and listen. Um, recognize that there is something off and needs to be corrected. And so that is like the pendulum then swings back because it's like, oh, this was not good. Let's get back on track. I'm letting go until one thing remains. I'm letting go until one thing remains. I'll be letting go until one You've been listening to our interview with Reverend Howard Caesar, author of the book One Plus One is One, and talking to us today about the most important teaching. You know, Tammy, I took a lot out of this episode, but one of my favorite parts of this whole episode was when he said, you know, there's this side and that side, and then there's the upside. That was a fresh approach. I loved it when he said that because that upside reminds us there is that other, there's another option that it doesn't include any opposition at all, that we get to be in a space of the upside, it's inclusive of everyone, and it allows us to just come from that place of love, which I think is so essential right now. Love is absolutely essential, Tammy. I agree with that. It's it's essential right now for sure, and, and indeed in all times. It may be the essential key to achieving oneness and unity. And I like that he tied it into the divine idea of neutrality, which is often mistaken for passivity. But as you and I have discussed on many occasions, neutrality is actually an active and powerful creative energy, without which we can never actually achieve unity and oneness, either individually for ourselves or collectively in the society at large. Basically, I think neutrality is holding sacred space so that love, our natural state, can kind of flow through. And that's where he kind of talked about that your side, my side, and the upside. It's that upside is that sacred space, that power of neutrality to just kind of hold um, for everyone to kind of remember. And God knows our world could use a little bit more neutrality right now. Yeah, going back to earlier in the episode, Tammy, when Howard was talking about our who and our what, I don't think the who of us is capable of maintaining neutrality. That feels like it can only come from the what of us the divine in us, which is not only unlimited in its creative potential, but also, I think, the only part of us that is capable of unconditional love. Well, and I've heard you talk about this before, um, that, you know, our that possibility and our potential is always limitless. So even if there's no competition involved, when I identify as a who, there is this infinite potential of my being that is is never going to run out. 
So there's always striving. It's built into the evolution of our consciousness that we are always striving. So if I identify as a who, then I'm in some place of lack. The ego wants me to believe there's a finish line for me to get to. But when I am in my, when I can let go of that, when I live in a state of oneness, then even that infinite pull of spirit to be more doesn't create that struggle of I'm not enough. You know, nothing is ever good enough for the ego. It is relentless in its competitive quest to keep us in a state of separation. In fact, I think I recall correctly that A Course in Miracles actually calls the ego the symbol of separation. If the ego had its way all the time, we would only identify with our personality selves. We would only be fearful, and we would never actually get in touch with our innate divinity and our unlimited potential for love. We would never actually know the what of who we are. Right, and that's what the ego wants. The ego wants us to just stay in a tug of war, uh, whereas you know that the what of us, that oneness, when we can just live in that space and let the ego go, um, you know, it's kind of like a little wind-up toy. Eventually, it's going to run out of juice, you know. <laughs> so I'm just going to sit here and be the presence of love and in my oneness with God, and then my little ego toy can just run out of steam on its own. Everything is a life and death struggle for the ego. For it to live, we have to die into the awareness of what we are. And if we play the game of life according to the ego's rules, we'll never win because the ego's rules are unstable. And if we catch on to the rules, the ego tries to change them or reframe them in a way that ensures we can never win. It reminds me of the War Games movie, you know, where it's like the only solution is not to play the game. In some cases, becoming unwilling to play the game, to cry uncle or surrender and give up, it can feel like defeat, and that can be disheartening. Quitting can seem like failure, but sometimes, maybe even many times, there is no way out except to stop playing altogether. The challenge is how to surrender to stop playing the game without becoming hopeless and quitting at life altogether. I hear what you're saying about, um, you know, it being disempowering to sort of walk away from the game, but sometimes I think it's in that moment where you let go the power of surrender to, um, you know, that you sometimes do have to let go of the rope in the tug of war in order to have a revelation of a new idea and a new way of being uh, to change the game altogether. Well said, my friend. So we are almost at the end of this Going Deeper episode with Howard Caesar, but we have a little something extra for our listeners before we do go. We have two additional clips from Reverend Caesar, a brief one from our interview, and a selection from his talk at Unity Church of the Hills back in late September. And in this first clip, he responded to a question from Tammy in the interview in which she asked him for a practical example from his own life where he uses a consciousness of oneness and neutrality to resolve potential conflicts. What follows is his answer to that question. Yeah, if my if my wife and my daughter were in a conflict and they were, you know, discussing back and forth and then they came to me and, and both would want me to side with one of them. They, you know, we want to have somebody agree to us so we win uh, and that's the nature of the who and the ego um but but my position would be to say hey um i'm just here to say what we're what we're called to is love and we're called to oneness and so let's detach from what are the details here that might be being argued about uh or somebody has to be right and somebody has to be wrong let's all be right let's all be right and get into a truth because the truth here, somehow, if it can be interjected, will set us free. And the truth is, hey, uh, mom, daughter, uh, you guys love each other. And don't let anything in this world come between that. Um, so get back to the truth of, of we're all one and love makes us so. We are all one and love makes it so. A poignant reminder to us all as we enter into the home stretch for this episode and we do have one more really outstanding clip from Howard Caesar to bring the show to its conclusion. 
But before we get to that, I've been thinking about what my big takeaway for this Going Deeper episode is. And I would have to say, as I did earlier in the episode, that my big takeaway is still Howard's idea of the who and the what as a way of reframing the ongoing tension between our ego and our divine identity. I've already started using this strategy in my life, thinking in terms of the who and the what, and it is already paying dividends. I expect that I'll be using that strategy for some time to come. The biggest takeaway for me in this episode is the idea from the very opening, actually from his message that he gave in September, that what we want is to abide in God. I think most all of us listening, if you're listening, then you're called on some level to a spiritual journey uh, to the evolution of your own soul. I know I am. And, um, you know, what gets me out of bed and motivates me in everything that I do is to abide in God. I already do. There's no way to get out of that. My most important curriculum truly is oneness because when I am approaching my life with an intention of being aware, aware, aware that I am one with God, then everything else is given to me. Bless you, Tammy. I truly, truly appreciate you, and I truly appreciate this partnership with you in the One Power podcast. And now, as promised, we've got one more clip here for you from Howard Caesar's talk at Unity Church of the Hills back in late September. Tammy and I have talked about this uh, particular story. I've, I've heard it half a dozen times since Howard's talk back in September, and every time I hear this story, Every time I hear Howard tell this story, I'm weeping before the end of the story, but not weeping in a sad way, weeping in a triumphant way, a triumphant way of the recognition of the human spirit and that there truly is a spirit of oneness that is alive and well, despite the apparent appearance of competition. Here's Howard Caesar telling that story. No, back in 2008, there was a highly competitive girls' softball game going on between Western Oregon and Central Washington, and it was the NCAA Division II playoffs. A big game, okay, big tournament, like a final, and uh, they were tied 0-0 zero to zero going into a late inning, and uh, there were two girls on base now in a late inning, and a girl stepped up to bat. Her name was Sarah, and she was a walk-on. She was a little gal, 5-2, had been in a slump, with two on base, second pitch, she crushed it. Went over the fence. Now she had never ever hit a home run, not in practice, not in the game, never. Well, she was in her excitement going to round the base. She missed first base, she stepped over it and that happens. You just go back and tag it and then continue on. She realized she missed the bag. And so she stopped, planted hard and twisted her knee going back to first base. She fell in pain and agony. She couldn't move. She crawled and touched the ba first base. She tore her anterior cruciate ligament. Now, if they replaced her with a pinch runner, the home run is nullified. It only becomes a signal. And it was about then that the first base man, woman, <laughs> the opposing, opposing team, Mallory, asked the umpire if she could help Sarah, who hit the home run. The umpire said, yeah, it's within the rules. So Mallory, called in her shortstop, Liz, asked Sarah if it would be okay if Liz and her, Mallory, carried her around the bases. She agreed. So Mallory, the first baseman, said, you know, she hit a home run. She deserves it. And so the two carried her around the bases. It was like three bodies entwined, united physically, spiritually as one. By the time they got to second base, the people were on their feet in the stands cheering. By the, got to, by the time they got to third base, they were crying, even the dads were. The what, you see, had become the who, or the who became the what, or however you want to see it, say it, the what got to win inside those girls that day over what is often a very competitive world that separates us and that we've been conditioned into. Love, oneness, and our true identity got to win. And it's 
never, there's never a time or a moment when it's not appropriate to seek this presence, to be vigilant in affirming our oneness with source. Have we made oneness important? Have we been vigilant? Whose voice are we listening to, ego or the Holy Spirit? Are we undoing thoughts of fear, division, and judgment that circulate around us in these times? Are we lost in Carl Jung's stage one or stage two, maturing into what we are? You know, a person can't be in oneness and separation at the same time. There are important times happening in this world right now. And as vessels of God, we are being called to be vigilant in repairing and fixing and reconstructing our consciousness so that we are able to be a light in the world. Carl Jung had a sign over the doorway of his office. It said, called or not called, God is here. Perhaps it's his way of saying the Father and I are one. Let us affirm and know that always and make oneness the most important spiritual principle and work that we will ever do. Blessings to all of you. On the next episode of the One Power Podcast. If I translate the phrase, the Toltec art of transformation into 100% English, it means the artist path transformation. I'm an artist and the canvas for my work of art is my life. And that work of art is gonna change continuously with every choice I make, with every consequence I experience, with every yes and every no. The instruments that I'm going to use to create that work of art is going to be my body, my mind, this being that is me, my intent, my yes and my no. With it, I can create the most harmonious dream or the most perfect nightmare. I can create both. And that work of art continuously morphs somewhere between the two. And it's always changing with every choice I make, with every decision, with every life experience, with every movement that life is, I'm constantly changing my dream of the world. And in the next episode of One Power, Tammy and I visit with Toltec master teacher Don Miguel Ruiz Jr., author of the books The Mastery of Self and The Five Levels of Attachment, in a conversation exploring the intersections between Toltec wisdom and unity teachings. Many thanks to our special guest, Howard Caesar, for sharing his time and his wisdom with us on this episode of the One Power Podcast. Also, a big shout out to Matt Russell, who composed the One Power theme music. And the special music in today's episode is a song called One Thing Remains, which you can find on my debut CD, Soul Diving, available through all major streaming services and through my website at rickbusby.com. One Power Podcast is produced with the support of Unity Church of the Hills in Austin, Texas, a spiritual community of love and acceptance where lives are transformed. For more information on the One Power Podcast, please visit our website, onepowerpodcast.com. Thank you again for joining us here on One Power. We hope you return next week as we continue this amazing journey together of transforming lives, one conversation, one episode at a time. Peace.